As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. You've got this tug of war going on between the government and the Bank of England. That doesn't lead to a stable situation. We must face up to the fact that for too long, our economy has not grown enough. I'm prepared to do what it takes to get us through these difficult times, to get us through this difficult winter, and to come out stronger as a country. Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg UK Politics, your daily guide to the corridors of power. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Ewan Potts. Coming up on today's programme. So the Bank of England has had to step in yet again to calm the markets after UK government bonds sold off on Monday. It was the largest surge in inflation-linked yields on record. Well, you might remember Bloomberg's former bond trader Valerie Titov from when we explained the initial crash. Well, she's back on the programme today along with our chief Europe economist, Jamie Rush. We're going to talk about where the bond market is now and why it matters. Plus, what happens to economic growth if Liz Truss can't grow the pie? We talked to the mayor of the West Midlands Conservative, Andy Street, about whether it's all over for levelling up. So, Caroline, MPs back in Parliament today and the focus was meant to be on the government's legislative agenda. Liz Truss will have been hoping for a calm start to the week as she looks to repair relations with her restless backbenchers. But once again, yesterday saw financial markets grabbing the headlines. Well, we'll discuss turmoil in the market for UK government debt in a moment. But first, we also had some economic news, Caroline, didn't we, getting in the way? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't know whether it's getting in the way. Look, it's probably quite good, given the cost of living crisis, that unemployment um, has actually managed to drop to the lowest level since 1974. At least you've got a job out there, even if you're buying an extra sweater, uh, as the British Retail Consortium reported this morning because your energy bills are going up. On the other hand, of course, the labour shortage is a massive headache for the government. How on earth do you grow the British economy if you don't have enough workers out there? Can Liz Truss really change her immigration uh, policy on that front? Yeah, fascinating that the number of people uh, inactive in the labour market uh, jumped uh, massively over the last quarter. You expected it to happen during the pandemic. People are still, older workers are still leaving the labour market, even in 2022. And a lot of uh, students as well uh, also leaving the labour market for that reason. Of course, one of the uh, ways that the government could fix this is with more immigration. And I think Liz Truss has made clear that she's keen to do that 
but that is hugely controversial, not least with her Home Secretary. And also a lot of the Conservative Party like that to be clear dividing water, clear blue water between them and the Labour Party. So that is a, a, a thorny issue for the government. Yeah, absolutely. It's a massive hot potato. Uh, but, you know, economics and politics not particularly aligned on that front. Uh, but look, turning away from just the data and, and the reports that we've had out um, this morning, I also want to talk about the Bank of England, gilt markets and pension funds. Hang on. All of you politicos out there listening to this podcast, don't go away. It really does matter. And we've got some great people in studio who are going to explain why you should care about all those gilt market moves. Yeah, for the second time this week, the Bank of England is expanding the scope of its intervention in the gilt market. It says that its bond purchases will now include inflation-linked debt in an effort to avert what it calls a fire sale. Pretty dramatic language. Well, let's get some more details on this with former bond trader Bloomberg's Valerie Titel and our chief Europe economist, Jamie Rush. Now, you guys must be hoping for a, a, a quiet day off uh, sometime, but it doesn't seem to be happening, does it? Now, Valerie, um, a lot of our listeners probably understand the basics of government bonds, but just uh, explain a bit more about what actually happened in the market yesterday. It was quite a, quite dramatic, wasn't it? Yeah, so yesterday morning, the Bank of England tried to come out and reassure markets by announcing um, that they would buy up to £10 billion uh, pounds per day instead of five. So, um, to, I guess, anyone out there, you think, oh, hey, they're buying more. That would assuage the market a bit. But but actually, what the market took away from that is that there are still some, as we call, forced sellers out there. There are still pension funds who are worried about making margin calls, who need to deleverage, who need to sell bonds, and hence the Bank of England needs to buy more. So, so they took that with a grain of salt, and actually, at the end of the day, uh, it, it went very sour. <laughs> um, we had 30-year yields rising nearly 30 basis points uh, into the close. And, and you have to put that into perspective that the, the Friday of the mini-budget, 30-year gilts moved 26 basis points higher. So yesterday's move was almost as big as the mini-budget. And and we know, because the Bank of England told us uh, in one of their statements, I think believe, or at least on Friday, that it was purely that the volatility that we saw after the mini-budget that caused this cascading uh, issue within pension funds. So this is worrying the market. It's worrying the Bank of England. It's a reason why they had to come out yes, uh, come out this morning and, and announce, announce further. And we really won't know if this is successful uh, until Friday, right? If they have to extend this program another week, another month, the market is, is not going to take that lightly. It just uh, probably everybody understands this already, but should we say when, when gilt yields rise, that's because it, it's a sell-off, isn't it? So the price goes down price goes and, down, and, and yes. the, the yeah. yield goes up. Thank you. Which is a little bit confusing if, if you're not aware of how debt markets work. Um, Jamie, what did you make then of this latest intervention? I mean, as Valerie was saying, it's two in two days. Basically, this is the cost of borrowing for the government going up. It's We've also seen the feed through into, um, into people's own personal mortgages, home mortgages. But there was also some additional elements. There was really extraordinary language from the Bank of England today about what is going on in pension funds and why the Bank of England needs to step in. Yeah, I mean, I think that they described it as trying to snub out a fire sale um, of, of, of asset sales. And that is the right language for it, because that's, that's what's happening. There are, there are pension funds being forced to sell some, some assets, which is pushing down the, the value of those assets in markets and making them have to sell even more. So that, that this is, this is what, that, that's the dynamic that the bank has tried to, tried to halt. The problem is, and what markets didn't like, is that the bank has, only, has said it's only going to intervene until the end of this week. 
which may not be long enough because we're not going to get any information from the government on its fiscal plans until the end of the month. So I think it's quite likely the banks can have to extend this programme until the government can, can give everyone some clarity on what it, what it intends to do. Fallow, just give us a bit of backdrop to this because Conservative MPs, when you, when you, when you put this to them, say, oh, well, it's a global problem, you know, bond yields are rising elsewhere, central banks are also all putting up interest rates. Uh, and that is true, isn't it? So uh, how, far, how far is this a global issue and how far is this really particular to the, the UK? Well, I find it funny that, that that's how they combat these questions, because almost those reasons that they're citing are reasons that in my head would be, it's probably not the best time to borrow a bunch of money, UK government. Um, you know, that the backdrop of rising rates, this is coming during a year where fixed income portfolios are seeing the biggest losses in, in living memory, you could put, put it that way. There is, there is not a lot of appetite to buy bonds at the moment. Um, and uh, then they bring up they bring up the dollar. Well, a strengthening dollar is showing you that that people are 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 fleeing to quality, and they don't want to take on FX risk in this case. When you buy a UK bond, you're also exposed to to movements in sterling. There, mm-hmm. they want to hold dollars instead, which is more stable. And then and then they bring up the war in Ukraine. Yes, that's driving an energy crisis, which you know, let's not mistake, is not just going to be this winter's problem. It's going to be maybe for the next five. And, and then you, the government comes and promises uh, to shield consumers from that. Well, well what if this problem uh, is exacerbated this winter by, by movements in, in the war? It, it, all these things that these MPs brought up were actually probably warning signs a few months ago that, that this was a time to tread lightly. Okay, um, Jamie Rush. Uh, in terms of that blame game, then uh, quasi quarting. I mean, one could sort of say, should he have seen that coming? Should part of the government have have foreseen it? Um, but even you know, be beyond that, have we me- moved a step further? You know, are we simply in kind of crisis territory? How do you think about it? Well, I think it's very clear that the cost of UK government borrowing has risen by much, much more than other countries which have announced packages to tackle the energy crisis. So if you look at Germany, if you look at France, they're all doing similar things to support households through the winter. What sets the UK apart from everyone else is the unfunded tax cuts, and that's what markets have really objected to. Um, How do we get out of this mess? Well, I mean, one obvious option is going to be to U-turn on the taxes themselves. That'll probably be the quickest way to diffuse the the issue, or at least take some of the pressure off off uh, the Bank of England, off off government borrowing markets. Um, beyond that, they're going to have to come up with a credible package of spending cuts, and that's going to be extremely difficult because they've already cut spending by a lot over the past ten years. The low-hanging fruit has been picked, so the Chancellor is in an extremely difficult position, largely of his own making. Uh, and he's going to have to come up with an answer by the end of the month. Okay, Valerie, what next then in terms of bond markets? And uh, you know, should MPs be tracking gilt yields every day? Look, they should. Uh, honestly, the gilt market has not been functioning for over a week. It's a two trillion dollar market, and it's not been functioning. How can you, as an MP, uh, propose uh, spent more spending, more borrowing when your bond market isn't functioning? It's 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 highly concerning. And Jamie, just on the job market today, what do you make of these quite interesting numbers? Well, unemployment's falling, but it's for all the wrong reasons. Um, you know, the, re- the reason unemployment rate's fallen is, is not because there are more people in work. It's because there are fewer people looking for work, and largely because of people uh, the increase in long-term sickness. So actually, it's, it's, it's 
pretty much the worst number you could have, really, because the labor market is tight um, and the economy is not going to get any bigger if people are, are, are just more sick. So, um, it's, uh, no, it's not, it's not pretty. Valerie, just briefly, is there a danger to the bank's uh, credibility here? The government's obviously lost a lot of credibility in the last month. How is the Bank of England's credibility in the, in the bond markets? Um, well, I think that has a lot to do with what happens this week and if they are successful in ending this program on Friday. Um, if they have to extend it, as Jamie was saying, we don't we don't get really further details on the fiscal spending till the end of the month. If they have to extend it to the end of the month, that is a bad look. That They are adding stimulus into the economy. This is essentially a liquidity operation uh, into the uh, into the bond market, which, which inherently complicates their inflation fight uh, down the line. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. 
Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight, athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The IFS forecasts a budget deficit of almost £200 billion in the current fiscal year, which would be the third highest on record. But many in her party are pushing for her not to make a real terms cut to benefits. So lots of pressure uh, on a weakened prime minister who's in a bind, facing a mutinous party and with very limited economic breathing room. Andy Street, the mayor of the West Midlands and a former managing director of John Lewis, was speaking to us on Bloomberg Radio just earlier this morning. Now, he is a trust backer. So I put a lot of these questions to him about what the Conservatives can now deliver when it comes to trustonomics and what it means for his constituents. Listen. It was a pleasure to host the conference. I'd say the same if it was a Labour government, actually, because it gives the, the host city a wonderful opportunity to show the progress being made. So that aspect of it was great, actually. Uh, but I'm very clear, actually. The government has um, uh, chosen its new uh, leader in this trust. And where do we go to answer your question straight up? Is we get behind her and back her. Any sort of notion in my party that we can go through another leadership contest, that we've got to examine whether we made the right choice, the voters would just think we were mad. And she has laid out a clear, uh, I'll call it a, a strategy, a big picture thought that the state should be less interventionist, that uh, we've got to have a higher rate of underlying growth. And actually, we've now got to get behind her and implement that plan, because what voters want to see is people delivering on the ground, not talking about their ideas amongst themselves. OK, but hang on a second. This is a radical policy mix. Truss and Kwarteng have no mandate here. They don't have a mandate from their own MPs, it would seem, nor from the public, really, and certainly not from markets. Surely more U-turns on this tax and spending plan are to come. Uh, so you mentioned different things there. Let's just be clear. The mandate comes from the, uh, from the uh, electorate that is the Conservative Party membership. The rules are clear. It is not for the MPs to decide. It is for the MPs to let the party members decide. And my message to them is that has been done, and you've all now got to back that. But that is a different point to the markets. On the markets, you're right. And no one is going to say that uh, that was well handled. It was poorly handled. And the fact that there was such a market reaction... Um, uh, was uh, incredibly uh, disappointing that actually we did not 
prepare the markets for the plan. So now, and the things like bringing forward the OBR, um, OBR date, bringing forward the appointment of uh, committed, capable people in the Treasury, and actually now looking at the numbers and coming forward with a detailed plan, that is what has to be done because it is very apparent that we have to re-win the confidence of the markets. Okay, so we need to regain the confidence of the markets. I mean, we've had another bout of bond market uh, instability um, yesterday, more Bank of England intervention. What do you make of the the tax cuts and now what we expect are going to have to be brutal spending cuts in order to deliver all of this? The IFS talking about £60 billion of cuts. That is twice the defence budget and that is what has to come in cuts on top of a decade of austerity. Of austerity. How on earth is that deliverable? But we don't actually know that number yet. That is a, that is a uh, prediction by the very reputable IFS I accept but the whole point is the OBR report has to come at the end of the month and the government's now said they're bringing it forward from what they previously said because that will lay out the balance between the growth and the cuts. And of course the underlying point here is that we've got to accelerate the top-line rate of growth. The last seven years, it's averaging about 1%. That was not sufficient to deliver the public service that this country actually wants. So we know that the transition from that route that we were on to a, 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 a faster route will be very difficult. No one's, no one's denying that. And that's why we have to lay out how that plan is going to be navigated to win back that confidence. So that's the mission that the Chancellor's got to get to on the 31st of October. Okay. The public have no idea, though, about that, do they? I mean, you say that the average of growth has been 1%. City City uh, Bank now forecasts that growth in the UK for every year over the next five years will be 0.8%, eight-tenths of 1%, versus the government's view that they need to get to 2.5% growth. You know, that is a continental size gap, you know, in terms of growth. How do we get there? Yeah. So the the answer has to come into some of the things that I would accept in the early stages of development in the plan. So improving improving the qualifications and skill levels of the workforce. That takes time, but it's right. Improving the connectivity, whether it be digital, whether it be physical, that that takes time, but it also does drive inward investment. Very clear evidence of that. Most importantly, improving the tax advantages for businesses investing, because that too drives investment. So all of those pieces that can sound a bit academic, but the lesson of history, if you look at the countries around the world that have done this really well, is it is a mix of those different things that then brings about a better a better route. What the government has to say is how we can get to those things while still being able to address the public services we need as we make that, that change, really. Mm. Um, on, on some local issues, Andy, if you, if you don't yeah. mind. Um, so cool. in t- 2021, just last year, you ran for mayor and, and were voted in, of course. Um, you pledged a double transport funding to secure £10 billion of new investment from the government. Does that survive? Does levelling up survive? Levelling up categorically survives. And the good thing is, um, if you look at um, uh, our investments in transport across the West Midlands, it is now running about seven times what it was in the year before I became mayor. And in the last year, uh, the government has agreed another billion pounds with us for uh, capital investment in transport across the region. So categorically, that figure is very, very different to what it was historically. And just yesterday, we were talking to the levelling up secretary. He was up in Longbridge visiting, seeing the regeneration going on there and talking about the proposal for investment zones 
These are like sort of enterprise zones on steroids, you might call them, where business investment will be focused in the future. A new policy, which is designed to do exactly that. So I'm absolutely clear, and I would not have backed the, uh, the, the, uh, the Prime Minister had she not in the campaign have been really clear that the commitment to levelling up stands, and there is evidence of that coming through. Do, do you think that HS2, though, survives if there's, it's bound to be a, uh, you know, you can't have one or the other. If you, if you have massive tax cuts, there have to be, you know, spending restraints and, and cuts, even if it's not 60 billion, if it's 40 or 50 billion, does HS2 survive? Uh, yeah, one word answer, yes. And remember, this is not a, a revenue spending year, this is a capital investment. Anyone who's got a business knows there's a big difference between investing in your capability for the future, which is what HS2 is about, and actually the cash out the door in year, you might call it. And the reason HS2 is so important is it connects most of the big cities of the UK with a new, reliable, modern transport system. And that will, that will enable particularly the cities of the Midlands and all connectivity north of Birmingham to actually do more business together and improve their economies. And we're already seeing inward investment coming into the West Midlands on the promise of HS2. So, yes, I am confident that that will, will survive. And if you look at the work that's already gone on, going on on the London-Birmingham route, you'll see the debate about whether is well passed. It's actually when it's going to open is the debate now. So that was the mayor of the West Midlands, Andy Street, speaking to me earlier. So he was absolutely adamant that the government was going to make the sorts of big investments, uh, you know, that they've pledged, like uh, High Speed Rail 2. But, you know, that is the real question. Can big investments be made at the same time as providing the tax cuts that Kwasi Kwarteng and Liz Truss have promised? Yeah, Andy Street, of course, a really important voice in the Conservatives because he's a mayor who represents a lot of people. He has a massive personal mandate in the West. West Midlands. And of course, the West Midlands is absolutely loaded with the kind of swing seats, those red wall seats, which which the Tories won at the last election, which Labour will be very, very keen to get their hands on. So important to listen to what Andy Street has to say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, of course, Andy got the shout out, the sort of first thank you from the Prime Minister, Liz Truss, at the Conservative Party conference because it was in Birmingham, so it was on his home turf. So she was thanking him. But of course, the contrast is really quite stark, isn't it? The support for Conservative mayor versus some of the, uh, you know, the fights that the Tory party have had with some of the Labour mayors over various of these issues. I mean, transport in London for one. I think that's going to be a kind of big question, but much further down the road, you know, devolution, etc. That's sort of not the focus, is it? Because there are just so many other issues to think about. Now, remember, Liz Truss is going to join the G7 leaders on this virtual call with the Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky today. We have had harrowing scenes again emerging from Eastern Europe there's a big escalation in the Ukraine conflict. Yeah, and Kwasi Kwarteng is likely to be back in Parliament this afternoon he'll be facing uh, backbenchers uh, and the Conservative Party and then he heads to Washington for those meetings at the IMF uh, and the World Bank, Bank so plenty on his plate. Also other news from the uh, Treasury, uh, the veteran James Bowler has been named as the top civil servant in the Treasury. Remember of course uh, that the uh, last uh, boss, the last permanent secretary uh, was sacked rather dramatically when Liz Truss uh, entered government. So interesting to see uh, the new face they've put in place at the uh, all-important uh, finance ministry. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think economics is front and centre for this government. I mean, on the one hand, you know, it is quite easy to be quite critical of the government at the moment because of these missteps around markets. But actually, you have to bear in mind that in 
you know, in economic terms, we're at a pivotal moment, aren't we? The end of easy money. It's posing challenges for so many governments. Uh, and so another thing I think worth watching is the Treasury Select Committee. We were speaking to Mel Stride when we were up at the Conservative Party conference, and they've uh, got a number of um, uh, of people who are going to be speaking to them, including Torsten Bell from the Resolution Foundation and Jagdit Chadha from NISA, uh, who is speaking to the Treasury Select Committee tomorrow. There are going to be lots of questions about how and what this government is trying to deliver in terms of economics, tax cuts and spending. Bloomberg UK Politics. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.